You're listening to a sermon from our pastor, Brian Payne. We would love to have you worship God with us this Sunday at 1045 in the morning and at six o'clock in the evening as we make, nurture, and equip disciples of Jesus Christ in Auburn and throughout the world. Amen. The Lord is our salvation. And we will see that even tonight as we turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. Thank you, Regen and Sadie for leading us in worship, Adam, praise team and musicians, blesses us every week, preparing us for worship uh, through the preaching of God's word. Let me pray and we will get into this monumental passage. Perhaps there's no passage that's more inspired than any other passage in scripture, but there are certain texts that are of more critical importance. And this is one of those. Father of mercy, thank you that we have a Lord, a Messiah to sing about. The Lord Jesus Christ is our salvation. Lord, every believer here believes that and knows that, but we want to believe it even more. We pray you would strengthen our faith in Messiah tonight through the preaching of your word. And Lord, there are some here tonight that may not yet know that, that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the only Savior. I pray they would come to him tonight in repentance and faith. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the 2006 movie, Apocalypto, it was directed by Mel Gibson, the 15th century Mayan kingdom, which is modern-day Central America, is at the, the height of its opulence and its power. But its leaders are convinced that unless more temples are built and more humans are sacrificed, then the crops and the people will suffer. Jaguar Paul is the the central character and he is a very peaceful hunter, a good man from a forest tribe. And these leaders send their warriors into his tribe and they kidnap Jaguar Paul. And they're going to place him up on the altar to sacrifice, to, to satisfy, propitiate their gods. Well, he, he gets away and he makes his way back home to protect his pregnant wife and children because he knows they're coming back after them. And he uses his knowledge of the jungle uh, to his advantage. Pretty remarkable movie. But what's, I think, most remarkable about this movie, it's it's very realistic. Uh, It accurately shows that in pagan religion, paganism, human or humans offer a sacrifice to make the gods propitious to satisfy the volatile, the angry gods. But in the true gospel, the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, God alone is the one who provides the sacrifice precisely as a way of turning away his own wrath on our sin. That gospel makes Judeo-Christianity distinct from every other religion in the world. That's what makes Christianity, among other things, distinct. But it doesn't start with Jesus. It doesn't start with John 3, 16. 
That message, that hope, that gospel actually begins in the book of Genesis. And if we don't get that right, all manner of evil will occur. Now, Moses, remember who he's writing to. Yes, he's writing to you, but he has an original audience. The original audience is the Hebrews who've been redeemed out of Egyptian slavery, and they are making their way through the wilderness into a land, yes, flowing with milk and honey, but also Canaanites. And these Canaanites' religion was the kind of religion we see in the movie Apocalypto. They would, sat, they would satisfy the gods by offering human sacrifices. Israel would have to be warned not to do that. Why would they have to be warned not to do that? Because of the power of culture. Culture has a very strong allure and power. You, you don't even know what it is. You don't see and sense the power of culture because a fish doesn't know it's wet. But Leviticus 18.21 warns them not to be like that. Unfortunately, they would. Later, Ahaz, King Ahaz, the king of Israel, would sacrifice his own son in the fire, 2 Kings 16.3. The same thing would happen in Manasseh's day where the children were sacrificed to the gods of Canaan, 2 Kings 2, or 21, verse 6. And then in Isaiah's day, Isaiah 57, and in Jeremiah's day, Jeremiah 7, and in our day, with the legalization of abortion, it's no different than what we see here in these pages. But long before Leviticus explicitly forbids child sacrifice, God gives us Genesis 22. It's a very important passage. And what will look like at face value, an advocation to child sacrifice is actually the opposite. We're gonna see that tonight. We're going to see in this account that God is teaching Israel. You're going to be tempted to think you can satisfy me when you go into the land of Canaan but only I can satisfy myself. That's what he's teaching them. But to learn this, Abraham must experience the most severe test ever experienced by any human being apart from the test our own Lord Jesus Christ would have to undergo for our salvation. We see this starting at the verse one, God's command which is a test and a type. If you don't know what a type is, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. This is a test for Abraham, but it's also a type, which is very important for us in understanding the gospel. Look with me in verse one. After these things, what things? Chapter 21, where the son of promise is born, Isaac, and also Ishmael, uh, the, the son from Hagar has been banished into the wilderness after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. The word tested here, the Hebrew word here, means to prove the quality of. 
It's used 36 times in the Old Testament. This is the first time we see it used in the Bible. Genesis is the book of first things, right? First time we see the word test. God is testing Abraham. Now, the test for believers are never given by God with the intention of us falling. He's not, he doesn't want us to destroy us, all right? The devil tests us to destroy us, but God tests us to employ us, okay? So his tests have a different motivation. For one, these tests bring out the righteousness that God has worked in us, but they also, and this is true for Abraham and it's true for you and me, they expose the areas we have not submitted to the Lord yet. So the tests are good, though they're also often very painful. Well, notice in verse 2, he said, take your son, your only son. It's interesting here because Old Testament narrators rarely give you much description of a person. But when they do, it's for a purpose. For instance, when it says that Saul was tall, the writer wants us to know that he looked like the kind of king that Israel wanted. Okay? Here, the description is your only son. It stands out. Now, we know Isaac is not his only son. Ishmael is his son, but he's the only son of promise. And we have seen Ishmael who ridiculed this son, so he was, he was cast out. He was sent into exile, if you will. This is the only son of promise. But let's be honest. He says here, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Let's be honest. This seems, this appears to violate what we know about God. The Old Testament law clearly condemned child sacrifice. Deuteronomy 12, verse 31. Deuteronomy 18, verse 10. Yet here, Abraham is to offer his son as a burnt offering. Now, according to the laws of Leviticus, the burnt offering begins with the offerer slaying the victim with a knife. Leviticus 1, verses 4 and 5. And then he would arrange the sacrifice on top of the wood on the altar. And the fire would then be lit and it would devour the sacrifice for the purpose of satisfying God's wrath on sin. Now this is a severe test, not only because Abraham is commanded to sacrifice the son, his only son that he had waited for, for 25 years, but it would also appear to invalidate all that he knew about God and the promises of God. This is a one-of-a-kind test for the head of the covenant family. 
Okay, this is a one-of-a-kind test. Now, why this test? Why this particular test? Well, just at one practical angle, it is very real possibility that the temptation for Abraham after waiting 25 years for this gift of a son to love his son more than he loves God, okay? It is, it is possible for a believer to have a functional idol. Now, Paul says the idolaters will not inherit the kingdom. And so our lives won't be marked by unrepentant idolatry. And yet even today, we believers can struggle with functional idolatry that God loves us so much, he will expose. It's very possible that this was part of the reason for this test. And the Lord will test you to expose your functional idols as well. Because functional idolatry is not good for his people. And it does not glorify him. But this test also demonstrates something very unique in the Old Testament. This is one of the few times in the Old Testament, one of the few types for that matter, where we see not only God the Son typified and foreshadowed, but God the Father, okay? We're seeing something of the Father's love in this passage. Now, what is a type? I use that word. Think of a picture, all right? So typology, just think of pictureology. It functions the same way a prophecy functions in words. So when, when Isaiah said that uh, one would come and he will be called mighty counselor, mighty God, wonderful counselor, that's a prophecy in word, Right? Well, a type functions like a prophecy, but it functions through events and persons and institutions, but they function in the same way, these types, as prophecies. This is a type. And here, we're going to see a type of the Father's heart. We get to see a foreshadowing in this passage of the divine paternal side of Calvary. This is the test and the type. That brings us to the second part of this passage, which will carry us through verse 14. That's all we're going through tonight is verse 14. Abraham's obedience, a passing of the test, and a type. Again, a type. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, there's no reason we should be told that except it's a type. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. 
Now, why would he say that? God has told him to offer his son as a burnt offering on the altar. Burnt offerings don't go back. They don't come back with you, okay? Well, we read it earlier in Hebrews chapter 11, right? In verse 19, the writer of Hebrews says, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did. Now, a resurrection has never occurred in the history of the world. Why would Abraham believe that God was going to raise his son from the dead? Because he believed the gospel. And the gospel was his son, his seed, was the hope of the world. And a son who stays dead is no hope for anyone. So if Isaac dies and stays dead, so does Abraham's seed, but so does the hope of the world because the hope of the world is found in Abraham's seed, his offspring. And so he so believed that Isaac was the hope of the world that he reasoned something which would have been crazy at that time in history. God would resurrect him. He trusted in the doctrine of resurrection even before it had ever happened in history. It's remarkable. Second part of verse 6, and Abraham, or first part of verse 6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. Okay, so this is going to be the wood where his son will be sacrificed, and he laid it on Isaac, his son. Sound familiar? He's carrying the instrument by which he will be killed. Interestingly, there is a Jewish commentary, pre-Christian Jewish commentary called a Midrash. It's called the Genesis Rabbah. And here's what this pre-Christian Genesis or commentary on Genesis says. Isaac with the wood on his back was like a condemned man carrying his own cross. Remarkable. Well, notice in the second part of verse 6. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. Now, we don't know how much time has elapsed between chapter 21 and chapter 22. We don't know how old Isaac is. Some have said as old as 40. But he's a grown man, all right? He could have easily whipped his dad and, and just reasoned, my dad has lost his mind. But he's on board. But he says, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire in the wood. And here comes the question of questions. This becomes the question of the Bible, the question of the Old Testament. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now, why would Isaac ask that? Well, Isaac knows he's the hope of the world. 
He knows, he believes that gospel. He's on the same page with his father, Abraham. But he also knows he's not sufficient to save the world. And so we ask, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? So we ask the most important question of the Old Testament. And what's remarkable is Abraham's response in verse 8. Abraham said, God will provide himself. And that is the Hebrew grammar. Some translations read God himself will provide the lamb. That's true. But more specifically, explicitly, God will provide for himself. That matters. And I'll speak to that in just a second. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. That communicates there's an inseparable operation here between the father and the son. They are going together. But notice, Abraham does not say God has provided for himself the lamb. He says God will provide. He looks to the future. But where would he have gotten that idea? Again, the gospel doesn't begin in John 3.16. It doesn't even begin here in Genesis chapter 22. All the way back when the first couple, Adam and Eve, had sinned against God. And they were in shame, hiding behind the tree. Genesis 3.21 tells us the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. God provided the lamb. God provided the substitute. Only God can satisfy himself. He covered them. He satisfied himself and covered them and their shame and their sin. Abraham learned that it will have to be God who makes provision for our sin and shame. And who is he preaching this to? To the Israelites who will go into Canaan and see all the children being sacrificed to appease the gods. That's why we have this account, to preach that only God can provide the lamb. Okay? These words, though, of Abraham have a double meaning. Notice, it will be God who is the one who will provide the lamb, as he did in chapter 3, verse 21. But notice as well, this lamb will be for himself. God will provide himself the lamb. God has to provide what needs to be provided in order for his his wrath on our sin to be satisfied. That's what's being communicated here. Verse 9, when they came to the place of which God had told them or told him, Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac, his son. Isaac led him. Why? Because he believes the gospel. He believes the gospel. And so this old man, Isaac could have whipped him, but he bound his son. He bound his son, 
and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. There's not a father here that can even imagine that for a moment, nor a mother. But Abraham could not have offered Isaac without his consent because Isaac is on the same page with with his father. And so with Abraham, clear anguish and probably fear on both their parts, the knife is extended. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. And he said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So you see, there's more going on here than just a type for us. This is a legitimate test. And the Lord has tested Abraham to reveal something. Now, let me just say, God did not need this information. This is language for the benefit of the reader. There is a false god from what we know as open theism that teaches that God does not know the future free actions of men. In other words, God would not have known whether Abraham was really going to sacrifice his son or not. And so he tested him to see if Abraham had the faith to sacrifice him. That's open theism, and and that is a heresy. It's a heresy. God knows. He has declared the end from the beginning. Uh, He has searched us. He has known us. He he knows our sitting down and our rising up, our thoughts and our far off. He comprehends everything. Psalm 139, he is omniscient. This was a test for Abraham, just as he will test you to show you where you are spiritually, where you are in your faith. What are you trusting in? And here, he, he wants Abraham to know, yes, I fear God. Now, what is the fear of God? The fear of God is so important that God would call Abraham to do this act or at least think he's doing this act just so that he could know he fears God. What is the fear of God? The fear of God is clearly awe, it's reverence, but it's every proper response from Scripture to the revelation of God in Scripture. If you want a robust understanding of what fear is, read the Psalms. You see words like awe. You see words like exaltation and blessing and love. All of those responses to the revelation of God as a composite picture make up what the fear of God is. It's a reverential awe, but it's a love. 
It's, it's being in awe of him. It, it, is, it is exulting in him, exalting him, glorifying him, magnifying him, all of that. It's the continuous awareness that I'm in the presence of a holy, just, almighty God, and that every word, deed, daughter, action is open before him and will be judged by him. That's the fear of God. And though God will not test us or you in the same way that he tested Abraham here, the test will have the same purpose in this regard. Am I willing to give up my reputation? Am I willing to give up my time? Am I willing to give up my resources? Am I willing to give up potential promotions for the sake of the kingdom? Am I willing to give up my kids' sports opportunities for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the obedience of faith? Psalm 22, you who fear the Lord, praise him. Psalm 25, verse 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Psalm 128, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And speaking of that, blessing of those who fear the Lord, that is true. Verse 13, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering. Notice, instead of his son. So think about this. Isaac is at one point a type that points us to Messiah, but also a type of Israel and a type of the world. Because if he dies, the world's hopes die. Okay? And so Isaac here is in the place of death. He is bound he is unable to do anything about his situation. And the knife is extended over him. And God provides a substitute to die in his place. And in so doing, it showed Abraham. And it should have showed Israel. They didn't learn well that the price of redemption is far greater than anything they could ever pay themselves. God would have to provide the price of redemption. As a result, in Genesis, you see these events often reveal new names. Just as when you go through a struggle... A new name isn't revealed to you, but the names that have been re revealed in Scripture become more real to you, all right? Well, we, we have seen this throughout the book of Genesis. So, for instance, he revealed himself as El Elyon, God Most High. That's Genesis 14, 19. He revealed himself as El Roy, the God who sees, in Genesis 16, 13. In Genesis 17, verse 1, he revealed himself as El Shaddai. Lord God Almighty, El Olam, the everlasting God, Genesis 21, verse 33. And here, he reveals himself as Yahweh Jireh, 
the God who will provide. Now, you may have this as a footnote in your Bible. If you have a a Bible with footnotes, you probably do. This word provide is actually a form of the word that means to see. Verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So what does that mean? To see. Here's the idea. And I think this is very hopeful as we approach 2024. The Lord sees the needs of his people. And at that moment, the need was great, right? He sees the needs of his people, and then he sees to those needs. That's what it means when it says the Lord will provide. Of course, in this particular instance, he, he gave the greatest provision because of the greatest need. And that's why James later will use this text to show the necessity of good works. Not in order to justify us before God, but to justify us before men. Good works validating our faith. James 2, 21. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac? Or in Hebrews, that we read tonight, Abraham's offering of Isaac <coughs> is a model, an example of what faith really looks like. Because of the gospel, because of God's provision for us in the substitute. I am willing to obey him sacrificially. But the best verse to sum up the heart of Genesis 22 is found in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Paul clearly is echoing this passage. Why do I say that? Because that word withheld is the Greek word that Paul uses when he says, did not spare your own son. Here's the difference. The cry, do not lay your hand on him, does not come at Calvary. Because the son is the substitute. And that's why the question of the Old Testament, where is the lamb, becomes the central question that can only be fulfilled in the one in whom John the Baptist pointed and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Indeed, Jesus himself sees this as pointing to him. This morning I quoted this, but when he told those Pharisees, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He he saw it and was glad. What day was Jesus referring to? Clearly, this day on Mount Moriah. Indeed, do you realize Mount Moriah 
And we know this from 2 Chronicles 3, verse 1. Mount Moriah is the very place where they would build the temple. All right? And at that temple, what would they do? They would offer for centuries on end animal sacrifices in the thousands, okay? Awaiting for the lamb that God promised Abraham and Isaac. And then later, at that mountain, on that mountain, at a place called Golgotha, Mount Moriah, God would provide the ultimate lamb who would carry his own cross and be placed upon it. It's hard to believe that that's not what Jesus is referring to when he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. What did Abraham see? Let me close with this quote from Robert Candlish. He saw the very way in which the salvation of man was to be accomplished and the blessing purchased for all the families of the earth by the atoning death and glorious resurrection of the beloved Son of God. That's what he saw. And as Adam, as the musicians come forward, you have seen that as well by faith. Most of you, passages like this, though, are intended to strengthen that faith that you already have. And I pray God the Spirit will do that and pray for that. As we go into 2024, pray that your faith will be strengthened in the gospel. You see what faith can do when you believe in the gospel. It will fuel you to sacrificial obedience for the glory of God. So as we sing, I want you to ask the Lord to show you those areas where you need to be more willing to sacrifice for the sake of his name by faith in the gospel. But also realize some of you may not know this lamb that was provided, but you can if you will come to him in repentance on his terms and faith in what he has done to satisfy God's wrath on our sin. Won't you come as we stand and sing? Thanks for worshiping with us today. If you felt the Lord leading you to respond today, whether that was to receive Christ for the first time or to take your next step in baptism, or if you have a prayer request, we want to start that conversation with you. Visit lakeviewbaptist.org slash contact to get in touch with one of our pastors. And as always, you can stay connected with us through our social media and website.